The kids are all right. Let's talk to the pros. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P., Joe Pizapia, and today it's all about the prospects. That's right, the young kids, the exciting ones. They're going to take Major League Baseball by storm, and of course, the ones that you need to redraft right now in those leagues and look ahead as Dynasty buys. And I can't think of a better person to talk about this with than the one, the only, Eric Cross. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at EricCross04. He is the lead fantasy baseball writer and prospect analyst for Fantrax. He also happens to be the prospect guru of the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2022, now available on Amazon. His top 100 prospect profiles is the best in the business. If you play Dynasty and you don't get the Black Book for Eric Cross's work, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life. Uh, but his his work in baseball is just extensive. He is passionate about it. He is smart about it. And Eric Cross, I am just very happy that you carved out a little time in your busy schedule to chat about some of the youth movement in Major League Baseball with us today. Man, Joe, I will always carve out time for you, my brother. Like We're Team Black Book. We've been you know friends for a while now. It's always fun to talk with you. Always, always a good time, man. And, and I, you know, I love seeing you, you know, you're out there at the Cape Cod league, you're taking the pictures, you know, Eric Cross has always got, uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. He's always got great information, but he's always got a little something extra too, which I love like you and Welsh, you know, with the little video sometimes that's what you <laughs> want. It's not just the numbers. It's the eye test too. And, you know, before we even jump into things, it's very important because it's become a younger person's game over the last 10 years. You know, 10 years ago, players that you used to just keep on your watch list ended up becoming players that you really wanted to draft, and now they're players you want to start. However, in redraft leagues, and I know we're going to get to 10 prospects that you should be aware of in redraft leagues for 2022, it's tough because you go look at last year, right? Jared Kelenic, big-time talent, can't-miss kind of guy. Well, he missed in a big way, and then there's a Wander Franco who comes up and absolutely just smashes everything, right? So right. it's very difficult to gauge. So how do you approach prospects in your redraft? Is this something where you just sprinkle them in towards the end, or do you identify one or two that you are aggressive and then patient with throughout the season? Yeah, I've taken a more cautious approach to prospects recently for redraft because for you know that a few years stretch, we were definitely spoiled with you know when the years that you know Soto came up and Acuna and they just took the world by storm and we got to remember that those are not the like those are the exceptions the to the rule yeah. yeah they're not the expectation they're the exceptions and I think we kind of got away from that a little bit and yeah so then we, we see all the and then there's so many pitchers last year like Nate Pearson Matt Manning you know the list goes on and on guys that struggled last year so yeah I try to take a more cautious approach like I'll more so sprinkle these guys in later on you know, I'm not really one that targets them super early. I haven't gotten any Bobby Witt Jr. shares this year. He's just going a bit too high for my like my liking. Um, love him, love Bobby Witt Jr., but just too high. So I'll be getting like the Riley Greens later on, Josh Youngs, those type. They're going like 200 picks later, so with uh, a lot less risk at that point in the draft. All right. Well, you know, don't give up all the names already. We got a whole show to do here. And of course, Eric's going to take us through all that. But before we do, I want to remind everybody the draft simulator is now up and running over fantasypros.com slash draft wizard for Major League Baseball. So get your draft on, get prepared. It is the most comprehensive, most incredible draft software available. You can run all kinds of different simulations. You can run all kinds of customations. 
uh, customizations, excuse me, for whatever league that you're running, whether it be five by five points, six by six, 10 by 10, I don't care. The draft wizard can handle it. And that's what's so amazing about it. And it's good. This is the practice you need. You start to see where the values are. You start to challenge yourself a little bit too, and maybe start to find some of those diamonds in the rough, but you have to go over to fantasypros.com slash draft wizard to get involved with that and start drafting today. And Eric, we're going to start today with the top 10 prospects for redraft. Now you mentioned Bobby Witt, so we're going to put him aside because everybody's talked about Bobby Witt. We talked about him on the mock draft special we just did uh, a few days ago. So we already kind of got a little Bobby Witt feel. So take me through your number one guy here. We're going to talk about in terms of prospects to basically focus on in redraft leagues in 2022. Yeah, I'm going to start with Josh Young, Texas Rangers third baseman. Now he's he only has you know, 122 games under his belt in the minor leagues, but that's all he needed to show how good of a bat he is, how advanced of a bat he is, how polished he is. Now this was a breakout college guy at Texas Tech, was one of the top picks in the draft back in 2019. All he's done is hit two years, hit 316, 326, 322 overall career hitter, 21 home runs. Like this is a we're going this on pure floor. Like he is probably one of the top 10 highest floors for any prospect in the game right now he can hit for average he can hit for power this is a potential like 280 to 290 hitter 25 to 30 home runs doesn't add any speed but like you this could be a really really good four category guy for a long time and this is one of the guys that i will target more heavily just because of how the polish is there and these are the types of guys that usually translate more easily into the major leagues than guys like you know, Kelnick, who doesn't quite have the hit tool that Josh Young does, or other guys like that, like Luis Robert, for instance. So, yeah, this is a guy to target, and he's going pretty affordable and fun in drafts so far. But, yeah, I think he can – if he's not up opening day, he's going to be up pretty early on. Like, he's ready. And the Rangers seem like they're in a mode now to to be in, right? I mean, yeah. if you're going to spend all that money on Seager and Marcus Simeon, the thought process is, well – Let's go. I mean, bring right. up the kids and, and let's start. The future is now, basically. What I like about Young is not only the OBP, which is very solid for him, too, but I like that when you watch him hit, you know, he can go the other way with a ball, but he's also able to go down and get that low inside pitch, too. And sometimes with the young right-handed hitters, that doesn't really happen all that much. So Young is that guy for me, too, that I think everybody needs to be aware of. And his brother was drafted this past year, was it not? Right. Or am I completely? Uh, he, he's 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 in the upcoming draft, Jace. He's coming up this year. Yeah, right? yeah, he'll he'll be drafted in the, in this this summer. Yep. I, I think I think that's what it was. I was watching the new prospects for you know <laughs> you know top one hundred whatever prospects you know the kids in little league that they're that they're following right now. <laughs> His yeah, brother's pretty damn good too. He's, he's, oh, he yeah. could be a he could be a top ten pick. Yeah. Uh, so the young brothers are gonna gonna do all right when it comes to major league baseball, and I I would be surprised if he didn't get the crack right away at that lineup, maybe even opening day, like you were saying. So Josh Young is one of those guys, Texas Rangers, one to look for, polished hitter, good power. Give me another prospect here. Let's go to number two on the list that you think has an opportunity to make an impact in 2022. Yeah, that's Riley Green, from the outfielder from the Detroit Tigers. And this is my, right now my number four overall prospect for fantasy purposes. Uh, he's he, he's a underrated prospect for the sense that he doesn't have that one huge tool. It doesn't have like the 35 homer power, you know, 30 steel wheels. He's not gonna hit like 320, but he can do everything very, very well. Hit for a good average. He could be a 25 homer bat, you know, approach 20 steals as well. And you saw that last year between double A AA and triple A, hit 301, 387 OBP, 24 home runs, 16 steals, and 124 games. 
And really, he got even better at AAA level, hit 308 up at AAA with eight home runs and four steals in 40 games. You know, he's going to be up very early. I've heard some rumblings about potentially opening day. We'll see on that. But another guy that, like like Young, should be up very early, you know, by the end of April or middle of May at the absolute latest. And he's another guy that, similar to Young, like I said, with the more advanced hit tool. Yeah, there are some strikeout issues with Green, at least more so than there are with Young. So I'd give the slight edge to Josh Young this year. But Green adds the speed in, so that's definitely going to be a nice element to his game. So he, this is a guy that could, if he gets, you know, five months of the year under his belt with Detroit, he could flirt with like a 2015 season. He's that good. All right. So do you have a comp for green to get people, you know, trying to think and understand maybe either statistically profile or just physically who he reminds you of? Is there one that comes to mind? Oh, that's a good question. I, I usually am not very good at comps, but if you give me about <laughs> five seconds here. I, I can well, see you know, when I watch him, he's still a little thin. Like he's a little, you know, he's still in terms of body type. He's definitely a guy's going to thin out. Reminds me a little bit like when Castellanos, you know, was young and you saw, okay, eventually over time, he's going to add some more mass, add some more power to that bat. That that was my kind of feel, you know, when I just watched Riley Green. Yeah, that's, def- that's definitely a solid one. Maybe, you know, maybe a slightly better Randy Arozarena, better context skills than Arozarena. Um, that's one that's pretty close. Maybe maybe even a Cedric Mullins with a little less speed. Like, he's, he's that type of player overall, I think. Well, I mean... <laughs> Well, it's enough for half of anything Cedric Mullins did last year. Jeez, I mean, <laughs> talk about that guy having a, a breakout season. All right, let's go to another name on the list here. Number three on your redraft prospects to watch in 2022. Who is it? Yeah, Bryson Stott, a, the shortstop for the Philadelphia Phillies. Another guy that's just criminally underrated. But you look at what he can bring to the table. Like a, an, Another guy that doesn't have the loud tool, but can really do a little bit of everything across the board and even be above average across the board. This is one of the guys that I saw out in the Arizona Fall League back in uh, October. was very, very impressed with what he did out there. Uh, last year, 299, 390, 486 slash line, 16 home runs and 10 steals in 112 games across three levels, end of that AAA, but for 10 games near the end of the season. And this is the type of guy with his on-base skills, like the high walk rates, which he's always posted, the high OBPs. This is a guy that just looks tailor-made for like the number two spot in the order. Got high contact guy, gets on base, solid pops, a little bit of speed. And number two in the order, that's going to put you right ahead of Bryce Harper. So uh, this is a guy that could score a ton of runs once he settles in. And it's another guy that's pretty near ready too. Like I could see him up early in the year. I don't think Philly really wants to roll with like Didi Gregorius anymore at shortstop. Well, that was going to be my question too. I mean, yeah, you had the Seguras and the Didi Gregorius over the years there in that middle infield. Kingery obviously did not develop into the player I think that they were hoping right. they would get. So there is an opening here, but I guess the question is, do you think that the kid is going to push that in spring training, or do you think they're going to go with the veterans early on and just kind of wait and let them develop a little bit more at AAA? I think he definitely. Definitely could push with with a solid showing in spring. Like he comes out and hits like 350 in spring training. I think there's a chance he could be up right away. Because obviously Philadelphia is always in win now mode, just with the, some of the contracts they have. They don't want to waste Bryce Harper's you know prime years. So I think they're gonna if he shows up in spring training, shows that he can handle shortstop and he's hitting well, which I think there's a very good chance of both of those things happening. I think he could push opening day. Well, it's kind of a deficit in the Phillies lineup too last year, right? I mean, yeah. the, the knock on Bryce Harper was, well, he didn't drive enough runs, which I kept saying, well, maybe if somebody got on base ahead of him, it would help. 
this is right. that kind of guy. Like, I'm serious. Oh, absolutely, like, that, yeah. That was the frustrating thing, is that nobody was getting on base with this guy. He would come up there, he was just by himself, basically. Bases zero, you know, completely empty. And this is the kind of player, I feel like, Stott, who, if you're right, he a lot of good contact skills, uh, puts the bat on the ball, and, you know, if he's a good enough base runner, this is a guy that if you hit him ahead of a Harper or somebody like that, too, he could be in line to be a really good guy in the runs category, let's say. Absolutely good. I think this could be a guy that's like 15 to 20 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, and maybe even 100 plus runs hitting in front of Harper. He's that All good right. on base guy. Let's let's swift. Uh, let's switch. Excuse me from Philadelphia over to Chicago and talk about James Triantos for a second too, because I know you're high on him as well. Yeah, th- this isn't really a re- obviously not a redraft guy, but he's a prospect that everyone needs to be. If you play dynasty leagues, you need to be targeting James Triantos, whether it's in your first year player draft or or just in general, because this kid can absolutely rake. I was talking with uh, Jeff Ponce of Baseball America. We were doing we had an, an industry prospect only mock draft, and I had I had a bunch of them those people on just discussing that afterwards. And uh, he was saying that they were flirting with putting a seventy grade on Toronto's hit tool, which is absurd in general. But to put it on an eighteen year old that was just drafted at a high school, mm-hmm. you know, the bat to ball skills are legit. The power is coming, like some solid speed there as well. This could be a guy that. You if, that, if you and I are talking again this time next year, <laughs> this could be like a top like the the 2023 fantasy baseball black book. This could be a guy that I'd be putting at like 16 overall or something like that. He's that good. So yeah, definitely a name to get in on now before the stock just absolutely skyrockets. Well, I feel like it's the kind of thing too where if you're in a you know a keeper league situation, right, or any sort of auction situation where you throw a buck on him late in the draft, it just if you have the bench room, just stash him there. I mean. He, he's an athlete, you know, first. I just want to put that out there when you watch him play. And explosive hands. I mean, the guy gets to the baseball, Eric. Yeah. And it just, you know, I remember the first time I watched Clint Frazier take BP. And he just, like, explosive, right? Just, like, watching, going, man, this guy's hands are so fast. But this guy's better, I feel like. Like, this guy, yeah. when I watch him, you know, he hits to all the fields, whereas Frazier was a little pull-happy. But he just gets on top of the baseball. Man, does he hit it hard. Like, I don't know what the exit velo numbers on this kid are. I don't think I need to see the numbers because I know it's probably ridiculous. <laughs> like, the, the guy is. And I think that's what you look for. You know, what separates a young player, right? Especially one who's said 18 years old, right? This guy has, you know, you don't want to put Mike Trout on a guy or anything like that. But he's like that sort of athlete type. You know, when you watch Mickey Mantle play and you're like, he looks like he's built like a football player. Same thing with Trout. To me, that's what Triantos is like. For me, I actually have thought of a good comp for him. Obviously, it's a lot. I hate doing it because he's so young, but oh, yeah. this this the skill set. I can see if everything clicks. Obviously, this is a higher you know higher percentile outcome. I can see some like Xander Bogarts, a guy that's just always hitting for a, a super high average, like potential three hundred hitter, twenty five home runs, sprinkling a little bit of speed. We'll see. Have to see how Triantos kind of his frame built. You know builds as he gets older but yeah there's definitely a super high ceiling for him i mean dude is dude is strong dude hits the ball hard yes he uh, does that's a player to watch he's gonna be fun to watch too this year i think that's one of the one where i think you're right we're all gonna be sitting around watching those milb reports and saying oh what did Triantos do yep. <laughs> just out of curiosity absolutely you know all right <laughs> let's get to another one here uh let's get to let's see one two three four five let's go to anthony garcia who i believe is next on your list Yes, I hate that I love Anthony Garcia so much because I'm a Red Sox <laughs> fan and this is a Yankees prospect. But man, you want to talk about power? If there was a minor league home run derby, I almost might put money on Anthony Garcia winning it. Like the amount of raw strength, 
this guy has in his frame is just off the charts. And he kind of started showing that this, uh, this past year he hit, he's, he's six, five, two forty. Like this guy could be playing like defensive ends for the New York giants or something like that. And, and he had 14 home runs in just 39 games uh, this past year, eight down in the, the complex level in Florida, then six more in 16 games at, at low A Tampa, all hitting 306, walked a super high rate, 31 walks and just 153 plate appearances at a 444 OBP. And yeah, it's lower levels. So stolen bases are always up in the lower levels, but he's, he's pretty agile and you know, has some solid foot speed for a guy his size. So maybe he won't be a total zero in the speed department down the road, but you know, assuming he continues to show a good feel for hitting, which he has so far, you know, this could be the next, you know, I, I don't want to say the next Stanton and judge, but man, it's, it's hard not to get excited about the guy with this much raw power. It's insane. That kind of power in that ballpark potentially. Oh yeah. And, and not to mention too switch hitter, you yeah. know, like another thing that's a dying art form. You don't see a lot of it. And a different, you know, most guys, when you have the lefty righty split there, you have a different swing and he, clearly he does. I, I prefer the left-handed one for him personally. Uh, I'm just curious, you know, when you watch him, do you see a difference there where you feel like, yeah, he's stronger from the, I, I think he's stronger from the left side from what yeah. I can see in terms of like the swing is just smoother, but the fact that he go there on the right and just, you know, mash balls probably out of Yankee stadium someday too. And that wiffle ball field <laughs> that is Yankee stadium, right? Uh, he is an exciting player, but do you think that because of the injuries the Yankees have had and, and, you know, last couple of years, you know, they've always been looking for guys to plug in the outfield. Do you think he gets any sort of opportunity? Not this year, but I think this is a guy that maybe could be up next year. He's 21 years old. So it's not like he's one of those 17, 18-year-old kids. Right. Like he's, tw- he's 21. I don't think he'll be ready this year. I think he'll probably be more so at you know high A and double A this year. But definitely 2023, you could be uh, seeing him slotting in you know, fifth, sixth in that order right behind those big boppers and add another huge, huge power threat. Um, and, yeah, that left – yeah, I think he, he is better from the left side. And I think that's going to be where he focuses more on, especially at Yankee Stadium with that short porch and right. Um, but the fact that he can hit from the right side, I think helps helps a little bit when he's facing a tough lefty. That always helps. So, but yeah, I'm definitely as a fantasy, you know, analyst, prospect analyst, I'm very excited about Anthony Garcia. As a Red Sox fan, not so much. <laughs> All right, so those are five prospects to watch in 2022. Let's move on to number six. Who's next on the list? Next on the list, uh, let's go. Let's go back to my Red Sox here. Let's let's get the Yankees, the Yankee mumbo jumbo out of uh, here. Get, go to my Red Sox. Wash here for you. That's what you yeah, ex- exactly. Okay. I get, gotta get my mind back in the right, you know, the right state here, and go a guy that I, honestly I was critic. You know, I criticized the pick when it was made because it was a very weird pick. It was an underslot. He was supposed to be a third round guy. I took him seventeenth overall. But Nick York has absolutely exceeded expectations like this kid can flat out hit he's still only 19 years old and last year's being one of the youngest in both low a and high a come on to hit 325 with a 412 obp 14 home runs and 13 steals in just 97 games like this is a potential 300 hitter 15 to 20 home runs 15 to 20 steals like he honestly you know i'm so excited that he'll be up in double a this year so i can see him live but all the video I've watched, he reminds me a lot of a young Dustin Pedroia. It's mm-hmm. a guy that can just put the bat on the ball, doesn't strike out much at all. He had almost as many walks as strikeouts this past year. So while facing competition that's two, three, four years older than he is on average. So, yeah, maybe he doesn't have the huge power speed blend of like a Bobby Witt Jr., but no. this could be a guy that flirts with 20-20, at least gives you like 15-15 with a super high average. 
get hit into the top of the order, have a ton of runs scored. Yeah, the arrow is firmly, firmly pointing up with this kid. Yeah, the Pedroia comp makes sense. And look, Pedroia ended up hitting for a lot more power than I think anyone ever anticipated. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's a little bit smoother, I would say, a little stronger yes, at this point agreed. in his career physically, if you look at him, than Pedroia was at that point. Pedroia oh, absolutely. was a really tiny guy. This yeah. guy's got a little bit more muscle mass, a little bit bigger body build, so I think that's good. But he is shorter. But look, you know, I, I think we're getting past that. I think the Altuves of the world and, you know, they've been Wander Franco and a couple other guys. Look, you know, you could be shorter now and, and still pack a pretty good punch right. in terms of it. He's also a smooth fielder, too, which is, I think, yeah. something that if you're going to play one of those middle infield spots, right, you got to be one of these guys who can, you know, has good hands, moves the feet well, and that's going to get you to the big leagues pretty fast. You make contact. And you feel your position well, I think that bodes well for a prospect like York. Absolutely. Yeah. I think this would be a very exciting he'll be up in a few years, pair with Bogarts. So then when Bogarts moves off, maybe we get, you know, the, the recent number four overall pick, Marcelo Mayer. So it'd be it'd be a fun little middle infield here for the next decade for Red Sox fans for sure. All right, let's go to another guy too. Where you want to go for the next prospect on our list here, number seven. Uh, let's go. We haven't talked any pitchers yet, have we? So let's, let's we go have with it. The... All position heavy today for you. I know. I, I I did sprinkle in a few pitching names here because okay. especially this. I'll go with this guy right here who I think there's a – if you told me to bet 100 bucks of my own money on, on this time next year, who's my number one pitching prospect in the 2023 Fantasy Baseball Black Book, I'd bet on Daniel Espino from okay. the, the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, and I'm getting that right. I've not, I've not messed up the name yet. I'm I'm on a roll. <laughs> I got to break that. the habit because I kept calling the Cleveland baseball team last year as a joke towards the end. <laughs> and now I've got to condition myself to say Guardians. And look, the Guardians have done a really super job of growing young pitching over the last five years. Let's be honest. I mean, so that absolutely right off the bat, you're, you're talking about an organization that seems to know what they're doing in that department. Absolutely. And that's something I've focused on more and more like what teams you know have the track record like look at tampa bay obviously recently look at milwaukee what they've been doing especially with like corbin burns and woodruff and peralta and cleveland's just been a pitching factory for the last five six seven eight years maybe close to a decade at this point and yeah the fact that i already when i first saw espino like the raw stuff was just absolutely electric he can hit triple digits with his fastball he has three really good breaking uh two breaking balls and a changeup, all of which are very good pitches uh, he, he, this is a guy that could be one of the top strikeout arms in baseball. Like he's got that much swing and miss stuff and he's already, he went from being a thrower with elite stuff to he's become more and more of a pitcher. Like he's hitting his spots more, the walk rates coming down, which is, you know, with Cleveland, that, that doesn't surprise me. So yeah, he, all the ingredients are here for a frontline arm. Like we could be talking top 15 fantasy arm down the road. Like, we're you know we're taking the Freddie Peralta and Logan Webbs of the world this year. Like this this kid is that good. Cleveland's track record is that good, and I have a huge amount of confidence in them getting the most out of him. So yeah, he's he's already a top ten pitching prospect for me right now. And once these guys graduate, like Grayson Rodriguez and Shane Boz and others, it's a good chance we could be talking about Espino like we are about Rodriguez and Boz next year. Well, the thing I like about Espino is the confidence he's got on the mound, too. He's very confident. Oh, yeah. He, he has that swagger, that bulldog yeah. mentality. It's that confidence swagger thing, and I think that serves you well, too, because, you know, it, it proves you have to be there. I've seen a lot of great pitchers, and sure you have, too, that have all the the stuff, quote-unquote, but they don't have the makeup. I feel like Espino yeah. has that on the mound, which is very important. He has the right demeanor. He's in control. He's got easy velocity. He's also got good mechanics, too. There's not a lot of things going out of place. It's very simple. Um, and you know, you see a lot of pitchers, especially right-handed pitchers nowadays too. Sometimes they have a little extra going on. I feel like there's no wasted movement when you watch him throw. And again, that easy high heat is something I love about him too, where he can go up there 
and and really dial it up when he needs to and get like a high strike out there. And I like that about Espino because he's not yeah. afraid to challenge hitters. And the track record with organizations matter. I mean, whether it be the Rays over these last few years, whether it be, you know, the Cleveland Guardians, it doesn't matter. I mean, those are the organizations that continue to produce useful fantasy pitchers. So you have to pay attention to those organizations and you have to almost value those stocks a little more, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, and even on the flip side, like I've been saying, I don't like Oakland hitters because Oakland hitters have kind of flailed out with high strikeout rates or mm-hmm. uh, Los Angeles yeah. Angels. Los Angeles Angels arms. You've seen like all the the high profile prospect arms that have just kind of flailed out and had five plus ERAs at the major league level. So yeah, definitely. You know, I know, I know it's hard for some people to like find out, but like just kind of look at the recent track record of all these teams and who, what teams do well developing hitters or pitchers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely matters for sure. All right, so seven names down, a few more to go. Who's next on the list of ten prospects to watch in twenty two? Let's go with another pitcher here who I like nearly as much, not quite, but uh, Yuri Perez from the Miami. I'm just called him the Florida Marlins. Wow. Um, the Miami, <laughs> awesome. about, that, that's awesome. a throwback. Let's I, go. I don't know why, but my mouth always wants to say Florida Marlins. Every and, now and then I do the same thing. And then I think immediately of Jeff Conine every single time. It's like the <laughs> first guy that always comes to mind. I don't know if that's right yeah. or wrong. It just does. For me, it's probably, I don't know why, Jeremy Hermida. I don't know why. He was. <laughs> I, I have no idea why that's the first name. Obviously, back, Josh Beckett. Old Florida Marlins, especially that, you know, like uh, Trevor Hoffman. Like, I remember the baseball cards of when they first, you know, I, God, it was a couple other guys, too, from that, you know, that first early draft time, too, where the yeah. the players were unprotected. Could you imagine if they did that nowadays in Major League Baseball? What, what oh, a crazy man. thing that was to look back. And I know I'm a little older than you, so I, I probably remember this a little bit more fondly. But you know, remember the David Need getting drafted by the Rockies and all these things. Like, just crazy like all these players were unprotected and then major league baseball two new teams could actually pick these guys it was wild man crazy times in mlb but at any rate who is next for the miami marlins for you yeah yuri perez and you know this was a guy that was a, maybe the biggest breakout prospect or pitching prospect i should say this past year he was only 18 for the entire season and between low a and high a facing hitters several years older than him on average. Uh, this guy posted a 196 ERA total in 20 starts with a 0.89 whip and 108 strikeouts, to only 26 walks. And the walk rate went down at high A as opposed to low A. You know, he, this guy's 6'8", 200 pounds, very lanky, but I think he can still fill out some more. But he's already can get up in the mid-90s, touch a little higher. Big curveball, solid changeup as well. You know, all the metrics are very, very good. The, you know, the spin rate and everything is very good on his curveball. Like, this is a guy that, you know, could – I'm not saying – I don't think he's got quite Daniel Espino's upside, but, man, this could be a, you know, number two type pitcher in a major league rotation a few years down the road. And Miami is another org that has done a very good job over the last – you know, more they're more a recent uh, team that's done really well with right. pitchings. I think like Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully, fingers crossed, they can fix Sixto Sanchez. We'll see. But, you know, I like Miami, what they're doing, the pitching side of things. And Yuri Perez could be that next guy. You know, Max Meyer and Edward Cabrera. So many talented arms in that org. And Perez has as much upside as any of them. So that's definitely a name. He's already broken out. The stock's already risen a good amount in Dynasty. But, you know, I think this is the last time to buy him before he gets to crazy elite prices and, like, top 25 price tag and dynasty. So yeah, right now go get Yuri Perez. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. The Marlins have done a really good job of identifying pitching talent. I'm not sure where they're at in terms of developing it. That's that's the problem. And you know, let, let's hope. Let's hope they can turn Lazardo around and Sixto around. Yes, I, mean, I love Lazardo. Right? If I told you three years ago all those names would be in one spot, you'd say, "What? How could that possibly be?" Right? <laughs> right? But seriously, you think about it. like the Marlins scouting department is in a great job. It's the development people I'm a little worried about now. Like that's the thing. And when I'm watching Perez, uh, the name that comes to mind for me is Ramon Martinez, which again, oh, yes. dating myself a little bit, right? Pedro's but older brother, Pedro's older, big, tall brother that people forget about. But Ramon back in the day was a pretty good pitcher. Yeah, me. he was. And to me, when I watch him, he reminds me of him. You know, like you said, a lot of arms and legs kind of moving though. A tall guy, a little lanky, but certainly I think a, a pitcher that, if he can harness all of that together, there's certainly the upside there and certainly an opportunity and a path for him too. And look, Alcantara's been great. Lopez has had some really good moments there. Eliezer Hernandez is another pitcher I think is is a very fascinating piece. They've got a lot of pieces there in Florida. Uh, they do. Miami or wherever the hell it is today. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a matter of can they develop these guys and get them right? That's the question. But Ramon Martinez is the one that comes to mind for me. And you know what? If he has a little career like Ramon Martinez... We'll take that. There were a couple yeah. very good frontline starter years for Ramon. All right, so that's another name off the list. Give me the next guy. Uh, I guess it would be number, where are we up to? One, two, three, eight. four. Wow, you were up to eight already. My goodness, time flies when you're having fun. Doesn't it? So let's let's go. With, so we just mentioned a guy named Alcantara. So we'll go to a prospect named Alcantara. That's Kevin Alcantara mm-hmm. with the Chicago Cubs. Former Yankees prospect went over uh, in the Anthony Rizzo deal last July and Another huge, strong, fast, athletic guy. He's 6'6", 190. I think he's already bulked up a little bit. He might be a little bit above that by now. But and he absolutely raked this past year. It was only 34 games, but hit 345 with a 423 OBP. Five home runs, five steals in 34 games. This is a guy that I already have him inside my top 100 overall. And if he continues to produce like he has with the tools that he has, this could be a top 25 prospect by the end of the year. Like the power is there for 30 plus home runs, especially if he continues to fill up the frame, which he should, you know, the speed, even, even with more bulk, he could still be a double digit steel guy. And he's shown a pretty solid feel for hitting as well. He made major strides this past year. And even in 2020 during the lockout, like he was a you know, much better pure hitter now than he was two years ago. So, yeah, the arrow is pointing up here. The Cubs are one of the teams that have a pretty good track record developing hitters. So I like the org that he's in now. So it's sort of the Yankees, too, but especially right. the Cubs. The Cubs have had a really good track record over the last, you know, five to ten years. So um, I think this could be another huge year for him. And see, you could see him in some top 25s before too long. There's a. It's funny when you watch him hit a little bit. It reminds me a little of Javi Baez. Like it's yeah. hard not to like kind of see like, oh, yeah, it's kind of in that same mold. You know, right-handed power there. You know, maybe a little bit too much swing and miss sometimes. We shall see. But uh, but they need these guys to hit now because, unfortunately, that group that came up for Chicago years back where they won the World Series, that group has come and moved on. And the other group, you know, Al Mora didn't become the player they thought he would. I don't think Happ really has become the player that they hoped he would. Yeah. So they kind of need – and I like Ian Happ. He's not a bad player. Yeah, he's, he's solid. He's not a, the star, I guess, that they hoped that he was going to right. be. So I think that's the problem there. So – if you're the Cubs right now, you want one of these guys to turn into Glaber Torres pretty fast. In this yeah, and, and they, they have a lot of the like – we mentioned two here with Alcantara and Triantos. They have, they have a lot of – they've acquired in various trades, the Bryant trade, the Rizzo trade, the Baez trade. You know, they got Pete Crow Armstrong from the Mets yeah, and the Baez the deal. Like they, they've got – they're all kind of at the lower levels, but 
a lot of talent. So if a couple of these guys click, you could find that next big three and some combination of these guys they've acquired. It's the way to do it too. build around yep. position players, not around pitchers, not around pitchers. Oh my goodness. I don't know why teams <laughs> keep doing this stuff. All right. So we got 10 names on the list. We got number 10 coming up in a second. Before we get to number 10, I want to recap here. Josh Young, Riley Green, James Triantos, Bryson Stott, Anthony Garcia, Kevin Alcantara, Nick York, Daniel Espino, Yuri Perez. So who's number 10 on the list here, Cross? Uh, I'm going to end with a guy that name you're going to love, Vinny Pasquantino. Oh, my people, Vinny Pasquantino. How you doing, Vinny? You're going to love the nickname uh, that Jeff Ponce gave him from Baseball America, Italian Breakfast. Italian Breakfast. Isn't that great? That is great. Well, you know, Italian breakfast, I would imagine that's uh, a little espresso, uh, maybe some panettone and uh, and some fresh fruit. That sounds like Italian breakfast to me personally. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty good to me, too. Why did he call him Italian breakfast? I got this one. I, I don't know more about. I don't know. It was on a podcast, which I have not had a chance to listen to. I, I, I have to go find that pod and go listen to see like what the context was around that. But Jeff has always been like even dating back to like his days at like Razzball and prospects live like he was always one of the a good he always give us some good nicknames so i'm not surprised he, he figured this one out italian breakfast i love it yeah. all right so break him down for us so I, I was working on some stats a few weeks ago and i put this tweet out there probably two three weeks back you know for prospects that were 22 years old or younger last year that had 150 or more plate appearances that also had a walk rate above 10 percent, a k rate below 20 percent, and an iso of 200 or more there was about 15 to 20 names. And then when you raise the threshold of plate appearances to 250 and the ISO to 250, there were three. Anthony Volpe, who is a top 10 prospect now, Juan Yepes, breakout prospect for the Cardinals, and Vinny Pasquantino. This this guy absolutely dominated last year uh, between high A and double A. Slash line was 300, 394, 563, 37 doubles, 24 bombs, as many walks as strikeouts, 64 of each. In 116 games, you know, it's one of those big first basemen. That's he's going to be a first base, 6'4", 245. Can't really play any results. And they have a log jam there already with the first base DH types with Nick Prado and, and MJ Melendez. And maybe Sal Perez moves to DH at some point. So there's kind of a log jam there. But I've heard from some that they like him more than Nick Prado. So he's going to get his chance. Like this guy can absolutely hit high average, high OBP. Low K rate, which you loved. I love to see that from just from my first baseman, his size to only have, you know, the K rate that he did only 64 strikeouts in 116 games. That is absolutely phenomenal. The good power. Maybe he's not a 40 home run guy, but 25 to 30, he'll get on base at a high clip. You know, that has a high floor there as well because of that approach. And he's a guy that you can still get for a very reasonable price in dynasty leagues, but do it now because fast forward a year, he dominates again in double A, triple A, maybe he's up to Kansas City. You know, that price tag will not stay low for long. So you definitely go out and get some Italian breakfast before it's too late. I'm hungry right now, baby. Let's get right? it. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. Am I, I don't have a nickname like that. Now, see, that's a good nickname, Italian breakfast. I always been saying for years now, baseball nicknames have really gone down south. Like they haven't yeah. been nearly as good as they were in the 80s and 90s. You know, everyone's a rod and this rod and JP. And I'm like, no, these aren't <laughs> nicknames. These are shortened names. Italian breakfast, that's a nickname. That I like. I'm I'm all for this. Speaking of guys to buy in Dynasty right now, let's talk about that. So for those of you who are playing in Dynasty Leagues, this is your opportunity. So get real close 
to your uh, speaker device and listen close to Mr. Cross. He's going to give you five guys here. Uh, we're going to start with number one on his list, which is Jordan Montgomery of the New York Yankees. Yeah, Montgomery, I just wrote up a 2022 starting pitcher sleepers article over on Fantrax HQ, and the first name I thought of, I was doing ADP post-200 guys, first thing that came to my mind was Jordan Montgomery. Again, I hate it because he's a Yankee, but look at, he's been, you know, his surface stats, you know, he has the, you know, the good but not great numbers that kind of keeps his price tag in check, but, you know, he is ready to break out, I think, this year. And he has his two most used offerings, his changeup and his curveball, both had a whiff rate right around 40% last year, which is very good. Uh, batting average against under 200 and a slugging right around 300 or less. Uh, he threw those offerings about 48% of the time. And he had the eighth best swinging strike rate in baseball for pitchers with 150 plus innings at 13.7%, which is, you know, the two names right in front of him are Garrett Cole and Dylan Cease. And I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, that good, obviously, but there's a lot to like in this profile for a breakout. And then another thing too, Ryan Bloomfield from Baseball HQ put out a tweet uh, right right before I did this article uh, about pitchers that had uh, two pitches with a twenty percent or greater swinging strike rate last season, and Montgomery was on there. Some other names were Corbin Burns with three, Shane Bieber, Josh Hader, Giolito, Iglesias, you know, and uh, you know, Lewis goes on and on. But a lot of impressive names there, and and he was right involved there. So I think you could see a guy that could finish as like a top forty arm that you can get well later than that in drafts and a good, he's not really too young anymore. He's around 30 years old. So um, I think you can get him for a pretty good price tag. Cause people see that age start to creep up in dynasty and they start getting, you know, they, they kind of shy away. Tear. It's not like he's got like, exactly, you know, thousands of innings under his belt. He's got less than 400 innings in the major leagues. And, and you know, his rookie year, he had a lot of success and I think caught a lot of people by surprise. And he had the injuries, right. Where, yeah. you know, in 18 and 19, he barely pitched. And then you had a little bit in 2020 where it felt like he was kind of getting the feel. And it's funny you mentioned Montgomery because this was the one guy last year in spring training. I remember watching a Yankee game and I turned to my cousin I was watching the game. And I was like, Montgomery looks like a different pitcher on the mound to me this year. Like he looks so different. The demeanor was different. The confidence level looked different. He seemed to have good confidence in the fastball, which to me is the thing he got away from a little bit. Like you got to get yeah. back to that. Get back to the stuff that got you there and that confidence with the fastball and the location of the fastball. And right from then, and I started drafting Montgomery last year right off of just, just what I saw in spring training from him, and it paid off. Last year, 162 strikeouts and 157 innings. He had a 380 ERA. That's that's pretty good in the American League East last time I checked, especially with some of those ballparks and some of those offenses you got to face. And his and his FIP was 369. So it wasn't yeah. like Montgomery wasn't going out there and giving you good starts because he absolutely was. It's just whether or not now, okay, can you now take it from that level get to that 180 mark and do it over, you know, 30 starts in that way and give them more innings. Cause he had 30 starts last year, but you want to get, you know, more innings out of those starts and the efficiency. That to me is that next thing, Eric. Yeah. And I think the Yankees really, obviously they could bring in somebody after the lockout ends, but they really need uh, him to really do that and step up and be that number two, number three guy. Because after Garrett Cole, there's more questions and answers in that rotation right now in terms of, oh, yeah. you know, Tyon's coming back up injury. You don't know how, you know, the young guys, you know, Louis Hill was good, but he has a super high walk rate. So yeah, they need Montgomery to really take that next step. All right, let's go to another dynasty buy for you right now. Who's a good opportunity to buy low on and get on your rosters. Alec Bohm, 100%. Like people, when a top pro, even if it's a, you know, a, a top guy, like a Jared Kelnick, a top five guy, Bohm wasn't top five, but he was, you know, top 20, top 25 on a lot of lists. Even when, those types of guys come up and struggle. People are very quick to kind of like, 
ah, no, maybe he's not that good. But you, know, you look under the hood with Alec Bohm, and yeah, he's not. Maybe he's not quite as good as we thought when he was coming up through the you know the Phillies organization. But there's still a lot to like here. You know, last year the numbers were not good: 417 plate appearances, two, hit 247, 305, 342, seven home runs. Not good, but at the same time, he had a 49.5 percent hard hit rate, which was the 90th percentile in baseball. Uh, he had a 89th percentile average exit velocity at 92 miles an hour. So he's still the quality of contact metrics are still very good. Doesn't chase that often. Keeps you know the K rate did go up a little bit, but he's shown that he's a much better you know approach guy in the minor league. So I think he can drop that K rate down and back down to 20 percent where it was in his rookie year. But you know the thing with the kind of similar issue that Vlad had. Now obviously Bohm isn't Vlad, but he hits the ball in the into the ground way too often. He's had ground ball rates above 50% in each of his first two years. You know, fly ball rate is right around 15, 16%. That's not going to cut it when you're, when you're as slow as Alec Bohm is like hitting the ball into the ground is not a good thing. So hopefully he can, you know, have that kind of transformation that Vlad had last year when he started hitting the ball in the air more often. I think if you see that you can see a nice bounce back from him. Yeah. Not the sexy profile that's, you know, hit and power only no speed, but you know, 260, 270, 25 home runs, that'll play. And, you know, he'll probably get a lot of RBI hitting right behind Bryce Harper too. So, and that nice buy low right now because his, from what I've seen on just social media and rankings and whatnot, his value is very, very low right now. So good buy right now. Yeah, Bohm is actually a player that I busted out on last year. I, I had a lot of shares because I, I thought <laughs> he was that good. And, and I also thought that even if he didn't have light tower power, that that ballpark would help him out enough that – you know, at least he would hit for power, even if the average didn't really come right away. But unfortunately, it was right. neither. And that's just unacceptable. You got to do one of the two. I'm going to buy back in sparingly this year. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. In Dynasty, it's worth a look. Because when the stock hits rock bottom and he's still so young and still so much ahead of him, there's mm-hmm. no reason not to give it a shot. And I think that's, you know, that's something where people just aren't patient enough, you know, with certain players. Right. And he's not Vlad. Let's be honest. He's not, exactly. he's not that kind of talent. But can he be a contributor guy? Yeah, I think there's still plenty of time for him to develop into that. You know, I don't want to call Michael Franco yet either, where he's just yeah, no. I, don't want, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go to that extreme <laughs> at the same time. Maybe somewhere in between? Let's go. Now, speaking yeah. of young, Jared Kelenek was just 21 years old last year. So are you buying on him right now? Is this maybe your last opportunity in Dynasty Leagues to get him on your roster if you don't have it? And is it worth doing? The answer is a resounding yes to all of those questions, <laughs> Joe. You know, everyone that knows me knows I'm probably the biggest Jared Kelnick guy around at this point. Or maybe Joe Doyle from Prospects Live. He's been pumping him up as well. He's a Seattle guy too. So, uh, But Kelnick, you saw like hints of the potential last year. And even look, you look at just with the numbers he had, it was how bad he was for a good two-thirds of his season. He still had a, a 650-plate appearance pace of 24 home runs, 10 steals, 71 runs, and 74 RBI. You know, 24-10, you know, 145 combined runs in RBI, that's not too bad for how bad he was. And then September, August, September, you know, the contact rate started going up, the K rate started coming down, the walk rate went up. In September, he was very, very good. Had a 537 slugging percentage, 295 ISO, 18 RBI, 18 runs, 7 home runs, and 3 steals. So, yeah, definitely uh, it's trending up because – What's weird with Kelnick, he got he went to a different stance. Like he was more hunched over when he was struggling, which is weird because when changing his stance after he had done so much good in the minor leagues with his old I hate stance, when guys do that. I and I don't know if that was yeah. 
change their approach. Like whatever got you to the major leagues, exactly. Years old, just trust it. And you know what? I blame coaches for that. That's yeah. why coach has to sit back and say, "Hey, kid, look, it'll it'll come eventually. Just just don't right. worry about it. Like don't start changing what got you to the big leagues at twenty one. Exactly, oh, especially when he when he hadn't struggled yet. Like no, it was, and I don't know if that was a, a Seattle coaches thing and that was a him thing. I'm not sure. But he kind of started reverting back to his old stance, being more upright, and he saw that that started. He started to take off late in the season. So yeah, I, I definitely still think there's a, a path to 25 to 30 home runs, 10 to 15 steals, solid average, and definitely a great buy right now. Because I'm still all in on Kellen. I think he's gonna be a you know top 30, top 40 player for you know years to come. All right, that's number three on your list. Who is number four on your dynasty buys for this season? Let's stick in the outfield here with, you know, because sometimes it's not always about buying low. Sometimes you got to buy high, so to speak. And, you know, and that's the case here with Brian Reynolds. I, you know, he's so, under, I think everybody in Pittsburgh is underrated at this point. Any good player in Pittsburgh does not get the love that they deserve. Well, because it's such a negative situation. That's why. Right. They look at it a hundred loss team and they're, you know, it's, it's nothing to get excited about. And, it, and it's a shame because it doesn't mean you can't get some fantasy statistics out of those guys. You can. Absolutely. Exactly. Especially with Brian Reynolds, you look at, he said now had three years in the major leagues and you know, I'm for the most part throwing out 2020 for a lot of guys looking at the bigger picture. And with him, you so you take out 2020 where he only hit 189 and 55 games, his rookie year, 2019 hit 314 with 16 home runs and 37 doubles in 134 games this past year, 302 with 24 home runs and 35 doubles, in 159 games, OBP flirting with 400, yeah, slugging percentage over 500 each of his two full years. Now this is one of the you know top contact guy, good sneaky power. He's a, he's still 26 in his physical prime. Going to be in the middle of that order, which should improve. I think Key Brian Hayes can be pretty solid. Can't get O'Neal worse. Cruz. Cross. Let's right, you can't get worse. Can't get they, much worse. They get some nice young pieces like Brian Hayes, O'Neill Cruz. So he'll be hitting right in the middle of that. So yeah, definitely, I'm I'm buying Reynolds. You can still like I said he's Pittsburgh, so the price tag is still a bit lower than it should be. So it's a guy that I'm buying high right now in Dynasty Leagues. Reynolds was one of my favorite DFS guys last year, all the time. All the He's pro- money. You know, looking for a little budget saver. Oh, let's plug Brian Reynolds into this lineup and see what happens. Yep. You know, just hit me a hit me a double score run. And we're, we're square, Brian. That's all you need to do. And <laughs> you know what? He would do it more often than not. All right, so there's another name. Let's give you the fifth name here on our list here of guys to buy in Dynasty. Another buy high guy that... I'll admit I was slow to come around to, but at this point, I think he's the guy I have on most amount of my teams this year as my ace on probably, you know, two thirds of my fantasy teams. That's Logan Webb from the Giants. You know, this guy, the ground ball rate is off the charts with him. 62.2% ground ball rate, but he's not just a, you know, pitch to contact ground ball guy. Like he can miss bats too. Now last year he had a 26.5% K rate. Now, the whiff rate was very good as well. And he can miss bats with a few different pitches. He had a 28.7% whiff rate, which is well above league average, which is a league average is right around 25, 26% or so with the whiff rate. So he's above that. The fact that he can get ground balls, limit hard contact like he does, and miss bats like he does. Like he had a 91st percentile chase rate, keeps the walk rate in check 6%. Now, all of the expected metrics last year backed up what he did. I'm all in. Like he's San Fran. They're doing something up there with pitching, and, and he's gonna be there for a while. You know, Gaussman's out of town, but Logan Webb is gonna be there for the next several years at least. And I think you're gonna see a lot of 
you know, top 10, top 15 pitching seasons from Logan Webb. So believe in Logan Webb and, but you know, whatever the price is, I'd be okay bu- buying right now. All right. So the names, once again, Jordan Montgomery, Alec Bohm, Jared Kelnick, Brian Reynolds, and Logan Webb. Those are guys to buy right now in Dynasty Leagues, either buying high because they're underappreciated uh, and they're producing or buying low because there's still a good path ahead of them. Cross, I got two more quick questions for you because I want to pick that giant brain of yours. First is Jesus Lazardo. I yes. mean, uh, you know, this was the guy who was supposed to be the end-all be-all there for the Oakland A's, has not come to fruition it's dealt to the Miami Marlins and uh, did not go well for him. Now, I have a soft spot for Lazardo because I think it was back in 2018 or 19. I traded him in a dynasty league for Garrett Cole and it worked out. I was very pleased with that trade. Um, and it's a good lesson for everybody. If you can get a good big time starting pitcher who's already shown you, he belongs in the major leagues for a prospect, do it every single time you can. But where are we at with Lazardo right now? Because he's still just 24 years old is this a guy that you're taking shots on anywhere? And if so, what is your expectation for him in 2022? Yeah, no, I'm definitely buying Lizardo. Maybe it's, you know, he needed a change of scenery. That could be it. You know, Miami is a good place for him to go. So hopefully they can kind of right the ship here. But there's, you know, there's some things in place that you like with him. And obviously, you know, he has the two pretty solid secondary offerings, curveball and change. Both had a whiff rate above 35%. Curveball was very good, 42.4% whiff rate. 188 batting average against last year. One of the you know top curveballs in baseball that changed up a solid as well. And he and he has the premium velocity from the left side. He averaged 95 nine on his four seamer, 95 one on the sinker. Both got hit very hard though. That was the issue. Like the opposing hitters hit 348 against his fastball with a 674 slug, and sinker was 337 with a 607 slug. And and the and the expected metrics are nearly as high. So like that wasn't fluky. That was people were just squaring up is on fire. I believe. Yes. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're ablaze for sure. Oh. And you know, a lot of that was command. Like you look at, you know, go to Savant, look at the sprint, the heat maps on his fastball, more so the four seamer. It was just left over the heart of the plate way too often. So I think if you see, you know, some better fastball command from Luzardo, again, he has the velocity. That's not the issue. It's, you know, but again, you need to command it. That's why, like Joe Ryan, who averages like 91, but commands it so so well. He has a very good fastball. A command, I would take command over velocity any day of yeah. the week. And if you see it's that art form take, of pitching, which is exactly you, you see that kind of you know, take a step forward for Lizardo next year. I think you could see him, even if he gets back to maybe not you know elite levels like we thought, but even as like a high three ERA, 25% K rate guy, that could put him in like Jose Barrios territory or something like that. So definitely, I'm definitely buying Lizardo right now. All right. Last one for you. And it's selfish reasons too. I want to talk about the two Reds prospect pitchers here, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, because um, certainly last year, very exciting. What we saw from those guys in the minor leagues. If you only had to pick one, would it be green or Lodolo? Who would you rather oh, have? Man, that's, I, I like them both. And so you, what you're saying uh, is I, I should make uh, room for both of my roster and jettison somebody else is what you're saying. Probably, but you know, if I had, because <laughs> I feel like I, they're both ready. I don't think there's anything left for those guys to prove. Right. And if the Reds can get those two guys on that main stage rotation, Reds are gonna be a handful. They like. are. They really do. Especially if they hold on to their their three good ones right now with Castillo, Gray, and Tyler Molly, they'll they'll probably trade at least one of those guys. Mm-hmm. But that could open the door quicker for Greener Lodolo. Right. Yeah, that's that's very scary what they could do with that rotation. But if I if I had to pick one. 
I guess I lean Hunter Green. You know, there's a little more relief risk with Hunter Green, but okay. you know he has the over the lefty anyway. Right? Yeah, the premium fastball. He's a pretty good slider. That's a, a plus pitch. You know, mixes in the changeup as well. Pretty good command and control profile with him too. And Lodolo is just as good. Probably has the higher floor, but give me Green there. But I love them both. He's the co-host of the Fantrax Tool Shed podcast. He is the main writer and prospect analyst for Fantrax. He's also the prospect guru of the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2022, available now on Amazon. Get it and read all about his top 100 prospect profiles. It's better than anything you're going to find anywhere for fantasy when it comes to Dynasty. I'm telling you, uh, Eric is also the uh, official editor of the Black Book uh, last two years, too. And I just want to personally thank you for all of your tremendous work here, uh, not just in the Black Book, but all your tremendous work in the fantasy baseball community. So much passion, so much insight. You're one of my favorite people to talk to. And you're one heck of a dad, too. I just want to point that out there. <laughs> thank Cross you. Is challenging me for father of the year you got to come correct for that title though brother we're gonna have, to have a steel cage match you and i but eric uh like i said man i hope you have a wonderful season this won't be the last time we chat this is just the first but uh i'm really excited after spending this uh, about hour or so with you talking prospects for some of these young kids to crack major league teams and start making an impact yeah i was always appreciate you joe so we've been you've been a good friend to me over the last handful of years you brought me on the black book you know what 20 18 several years back back when, <laughs> back when i was still kind of getting my feet wet in this industry so i appreciate the chance you took of me back then and the friendship we've had you know the bond as when you dads. were just a prospect back in 2017 yeah. 18 <laughs> that's i was james triantos back then or, or james triantos and i saw this raw kid i thought that guy's got a lot of talent i'm gonna put him to work but yeah uh but you do man you do and it's it's showing and i think uh the the mark you're making and, and follow him on twitter please at eric cross 04 uh, a tremendous follow uh, over on Twitter. If you do anything baseball related, not just prospects and dynasty, but seriously, Eric, uh, I'm just, I'm so proud of the work you're doing and just keep up the good work, my friend. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you, bud. All right. I want to remind everybody, make sure you head over to fantasypros.com slash draft wizard and start getting your mock draft on right now. It's out. It's available. Go do it and grab a friend because the multi-user draft software is out there too. And you can start uh, doing mock drafts and getting people involved and start getting prepared for your fantasy season. Again, at fantasypros.com slash draft wizard. And again, check out Eric Cross, Eric Cross 04 on the Twitter machine. That'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on for Eric Cross. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. <laughs>